uh, we're going to be in Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 to 4, that were read earlier today. And so if you would turn there in your Bibles, Colossians 3, 1 to 4. Beautiful, beautiful passage, uh, an amazing passage that I keep, and I'm sure you do too, keep going back again and again um, in our walk with the Lord. Um, and it's just so filled with amazing truth and uh, just such a motivation to live uh, lives that are sold out for Christ, to live in love with Christ and what He's done and who He is and His glory. Um, so um, let's pray before we uh, dive into this passage. Lord Jesus, You are more glorious than we can imagine. You are seated at the right hand of the Father, having complete dominion over the universe. Just to think that one day every knee will bow. And every tongue will confess that you are Lord. What power belongs to you? What dominion is yours? And you are our Savior who suffered on the cross for us. You became man and lived the perfect life that we ought to have lived. And in your dying, you died the death that we deserved. Freely, you gave yourself for us. We are now covered in your righteousness. What a gift. What a precious gift. We can't get our minds around it. We come to you and pray that you would be exalted today, that you would guide me through your spirit and, and your people here. Oh, Father, that you would speak through your word um, as we turn to it uh, today. Amen. Amen. Now, uh, <clears throat> people in the world, and I'm not just talking about believers now, I'm t even talking about unbelievers. We all know that we need to change in some way or the other, right? Some, something needs to change in our lives, and we always feel that way. We, you know, it, uh, and then we do things that help us try to uh, uh, achieve that goal of changing, right? We do things. You know, uh, I'm sure you've also made New Year's resolutions like I have, right? Remember the first week of every year when you try to do something different? That's the New Year's resolution. <laughs> also, you know, we try and get accountability partners. Have you done that? I've done that. Uh, but, you know, somehow all my accountability partners have been flexible, you know? I remember um, every year I, 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 you know, have this resolution of wanting to lose weight, uh, a few pounds. And I remember my friend, my dear friend who's back in India, um, we, we decided to um, keep, hold each other accountable and, and go to this park and, and jog every morning. And by the fifth morning, I think it was, or it could be the fourth, I don't know, <laughs> we, we drove up and we were sitting in the car early morning and in front of us was this park where we, where we would go and jog. And, and none of us got out of the car. I don't know why. We were talking and we were just sitting there. I, said, I don't feel like going. He's like, I don't feel like going either. I'm like, what do we do? Well, it's morning. You got to eat. <laughs> so we went and had this huge, greasy breakfast. And that's, that's, how, that's how it goes. But we all have these right intentions to change, right? And some people in this world take extreme measures in order to change. In Southeast Asia, there's a monastery where uh, they take in people who are dealing with uh, with addictions and, and, you know, things like that, and they help them change. And the way they go about it is you have to come and be almost like a monk, all right? You've got to live in that monastery, and they give you this fluid to drink every day that helps you vomit out all the impurities <laughs> in you. So imagine all you're doing all day is vomiting, and obviously that's shock therapy to get you shocked out of any addiction that they're facing, right? Now also, there's, now this is weird, this is bizarre, but it's true. I saw a documentary where in another culture... Um, you know, people, um, in order to change, what they do is um, uh, they have this mock 
funeral ceremony. Can you believe it? There's this entire room, like some, somewhere like this, but, you know, it's not filled with chairs, but filled with coffins, all right? And they have this mock ceremony where people come, and they lie down in the coffins for a while. And when they get up, uh, they're told that, hey, your old life is over now. It's dead. You know, you're dead. It's over. Now you're turning a new page. It's a new life. So, you know, you get a chance to live new again, all right? And I'm, I don't know how, how much that works, uh, you know, but um, there's a similar, uh, similar situation that we believers are in. But you know what? It is true. It is real. There's a spiritual reality that's taken place in every believer when he comes to Christ. And, uh, and, and Paul talks about that here. Uh, look at the first sentence in, in this passage in Romans 3.1. He says, if you have been raised with Christ, you have been raised with Christ. The spiritual reality that has taken place in a believer that he has been raised to new life with Christ, all right? Um, I want you to notice in, in Colossians 2, just a little before this passage in verse 13, this is what Paul says. <clears throat> and you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive, notice this, together with him, that is together with Christ. God made us alive, having forgiven us, all our trespasses. We are made alive together with Christ. And this is not just talking about our physical resurrection, which will happen in the future, but it's talking about a spiritual resurrection that has taken place in every believer. The moment we came to Christ, we are united with Him in His resurrection. We've been made alive. He says, you were dead, right? You were dead. And we were spiritually dead, unable to respond to the beauty and the glory of God. We had no capacity to do that. We had no capacity to delight, to, to, to delight in God or obey God. We were dead. Inability was our condition. And God, together with Christ, made us alive. Amen? And that's, that's the truth. That's the spiritual reality of every believer. And Paul talks, reminds of, of that in this verse right here. And uh, because we are resurrected to a new life, listen to this, because you are resurrected to a new life, you have new aims. You have a new aim as one who's resurrected with Christ. Point one there. Your new aim as one who is raised with Christ. This life that we live now as Christians is completely new. Not because we make some amazing resolutions. Not because we have some great willpower. No, it is because there's a reality that has taken place in our lives of spiritual life. Where there was deadness, now there's life. There's ability to respond to God. We see the beauty of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And we delight in Him. And we run to Him. And we love Him. And we obey Him. Amen? Christ has invaded our lives. Christ has brought life where there was deadness. And this life brings new aims. We have new desires to live differently, to do different things in obedience to Christ. And so Paul reminds us, if then you have been raised with Christ. And really, if, he's not talking about maybe you've been raised or maybe you haven't. Maybe you're a Christian, but you've not been raised. No, it's since you have been raised with Christ. He's already said you were dead, and then you were raised with Christ. Since you have been raised with Christ, he tells us what we ought to do, what our new aim has to be, what our different life must look like. He says, in verse 1, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Verse 2, again, he says, set your mind on things that are above, not on the things that are on the earth. And you notice what's repeated there, the things that are above, right? Seek the things that are above, set your mind on things that are above. So our new life is this great obsession with things that are 
above, right? Now, the big question is, what are these things that are above, right? What are these things that are above? Now, uh, is he talking about angels? Things that are above. They're above, right? Is he talking about streets of gold? Is he talking about pearly gates? Or is he talking about, you know, the seraphim in their glory? All these things are above. But it seems a little strange that he will call us to set our minds on things rather than Christ, right? Who's above. And really, what is above more than all these things is the glorious risen Christ in all his glory, right? In his blazing glory. Remember John saw him in Revelation before he started to write? He saw Christ. He turned around and he saw, and saw Christ. And what was his response? He fell on his face. The glorious Christ is the one whose glory pervades heaven. In heaven, the most glorious person is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And his glory is what fills the heavens and fills everything above. And, and the glory of Christ is seen in his attributes, right? His character. We see his glory in his character. And those things that are in line with Christ's character is what we are to pursue. Set our minds, be obsessed with the things that are in line with the character of Christ. Now, notice what Paul says, right? Uh, what are the things above? He helps us identify them, right? He, in, the, in the context here, he helps us identify them. Um, he, the things that are above, he contrasts them with things that are on the earth. I want you to see this, all right? Verse 2, set your mind on things above, not on the things that are on the earth. So what are the things above? They are not the things on the earth. And the other question is, what are these things on the earth? Is he talking about, uh, you know, houses and cars and jobs and spouses and families? No, he tells us exactly what he's talking about in verse 5. Look what he says in verse 5. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Earthly, the things that are earthly, and he lists them out. He lists them out, and here we see, he says, sexual immorality, verse 5, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. You know, and grouped together, these are the fleshly sins, right? Sins of the flesh, which come from a heart that does not delight in God, a heart that is not right with God, right? He says, these are the things that are earthly. They, don't set your mind on them. Don't seek them. Seek the things that are above instead. That list doesn't end there because in verse 8, he continues and he says, and these are relational sins, all right? Uh, he says, anger, put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Put them away. The things on the earth, don't, don't set your mind on these things. Set your mind on things above, right? Set your mind on things above. And, and so if you continue reading in verse 12 and 13, he talks about the characteristics that we are to set our minds on. The characteristics that are in line with the character of our Lord and Savior Jesus, right? Verse 12 and 13, look at this. He says, Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. And verse 14, above all these, put on love. Put on love. You see, these are the things that are line, in line with the character of Christ who is above. And we are to set our minds on these things. Because we are raised with Christ, we are to seek the things that are above. You know, and, and you may be saying, well, those are the things that are above in heaven, right? And I'm on earth. You know, in Ephesians 2, Paul tells us, in Ephesians 2, you have been raised with Christ. Not only that, but you are seated with Christ in the heavenly places. You are seated already with Christ. 
That's the beauty of our salvation that we have in our Lord. We are in Christ, and we are raised to life, and where He is, we are seated with Him in the heavenly places. And therefore, we are now introduced into the heavenly realm where Christ is, right? And therefore, He says, set your minds on things that are above. Don't, don't be engaged with this earth and the things that are define the existence on earth. Set your mind on things above, right? Um, and the things above are the fruit of the Spirit. All these qualities that we read are really the fruit of the Spirit. They come from a heart that loves and a heart that full, that, that's full of joy and is patient and gentle and kind and meek. And aren't those all the qualities of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, right? Set your mind on these things. Um, so Paul tells us what we ought to do because we are resurrected. And then he gives us two very practical things to do, all right? Two very practical things. Notice this, uh, the sub-point there. Um, he says, seek the things that are above, all right? Seek the things that are above and pursue. In other words, pursue the things that are above, right? Seek them out like you're searching for them, right? Be, be, keep seeking them. He's talking about actively every day. Keep seeking the things that are above. As long as you're on the earth, seek the things that are above, right? You know, uh, when you're uh, buying something online, you spend about an hour sometimes, right? Seeking the right thing. We know what seeking is. <laughs> so he says, seek the things above. We make it our aim to get this at the right price, right? Um, so keep seeking the things that are above, you know? Um, some, 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 people in the Christ, uh, some people who call themselves Christians, you know, they talk about the Christian life is no effort, right? They want to divorce the Christian life from any effort. But Paul is calling us to put effort here. He's saying, see, keep seeking the things that are above. You ought to keep doing this. Put effort into this, right? Imagine this, all right? Imagine you, uh, you go out on a ship into the ocean. We're very close to the ocean. Go out on a ship into the ocean, and, and it breaks, all right? There's shipwreck, and, and uh, the ship is broken into pieces, and you're on this piece of wood, and you're floating out there in the ocean. You don't know where you are. What's the first thing you'll do if you're in the ocean? You start looking for land, right? You're looking for land everywhere. You don't have a compass. Your phone's wrecked because it's not waterproof, and you're looking for land. Where? How can I get to land? Because land is where you live, right? You want to get there. As believers, we are united with Christ, and we're seated with Him in the heavenly places. That's where we belong. You belong there, right? By grace. By grace, you have been introduced into the heavenlies in Christ. Amen? We don't deserve this. You will never deserve it. It's given by grace. He's introduced us in the heavenly places. When I came here, it seemed like when I walked in the morning, it seemed like I was no stranger because I was already introduced to you by Angelo, right? You know, Michael walks up to me and says, Yeah, hey, yeah, I'm Aaron. I met Andre before. I know him. Uh, yeah, I, I, I taught him carom. You know carom? Some of you have played. Angelo bought that game from India here. I taught him carom, and every single time he beat me. I was like, I'll beat him this time, but he kept beating me. So Andre, I knew I didn't know anyone else mostly here, and, and it seemed like I already knew you. I was introduced to you, right? In the same way Christ has introduced us to the Father. You are no stranger in heaven. Through Christ, you are welcomed in heaven, even to the Father, right? And so that's where we belong. We must seek those things that are above. And, and when, you're, when you're out on sea, you're looking for land, you're swimming, right? How can I get to land fast, right? And you're rowing, and, and you want to get desperately to land. And that's us, believers. This is not our home. 
living in this earth that's, that's corrupted with sin, you know, living in our fleshly lust is not where we live. We live in heaven. That's our eternal home. That's where we belong, in Christ. That beautiful song. I know as long uh, in, as, as long as in heaven he stands, no tongue can bid me thence depart, right? No tongue can bid you depart because you are in Christ and you belong there. So live, live with and uh, seeking the things that are above. Not only that, he says in verse 2, set your mind on things above or focus on the things above. Keep thinking of the things above. How can I live in, in a way that's in line with the, character, uh, with the character of my Savior, right? How can I live in, in, in a way that's in line with His glory? Set your mind on things above. You know, the Christian life is amazing, but it is not automatic. You are changed in your heart. You have to engage your will, right? You have to delight yourself in, in, and enjoy this fellowship that you've been called into with the Father and with the Son through the Holy Spirit, right? As, as we enjoy this, we begin to be changed. Our desires are new. We long to obey Christ. We set our minds on these things. We give thought, in order, we give thought about how we're going to obey Christ. We give thought about how we want to overcome our sin, right? We, we fill our minds with Scripture. That's how we know the true Lord Jesus Christ. You know, you can say you love Christ, but unless it's the Christ of the Bible, it's not Christ that you love. Fill your mind with who Christ is. Exercise your mind. In order to set your mind on things above where Christ is, right? The, the mind has a, has a great place in the life of the believer. Note, remember what Jesus said in Matthew 22, greatest commandment. He said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. With all your mind. And, and, and the Lord God has given us his mind in the word right here, right? The more we, more we fill our minds with the Word of God, we will able to, uh, be able to set our minds on things above, right? This is what connects us, connects us to, to our home where, where, where we belong in heaven. This is where we see the mind of God, right? And the center of this Bible is, is not just data, but it's a person. And that is the Lord Jesus Christ, right? Right, the Lord Jesus Christ. Set your mind on Christ, His glory, His beauty, His excellencies, the gospel, the cross, right? Set your mind on things above. And, and just because you did it yesterday doesn't mean your mind is going to be set today, right? Set your mind. And, and also, uh, to show the importance of the mind, Paul says in Philippians 4, you must be focused on things that are true and honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, excellent, and worthy of praise. Focus on these things. Fill your mind with these things. Don't let your mind be running after the things of the flesh. If you fill your mind with fleshly things, you will act in a way that's according to the flesh, right? Um, uh, you know, uh, our mind is, is the battleground where we fight the, the, uh, the thoughts of the flesh, where we fight. That's a battleground that we, where we engage in war every day against the, the fleshly desires, right? Your mind, uh, whatever your mind holds on to, your affections hold on to. And then your will is subdued by that. Let your mind be filled with the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. Not just that, with His character, with, with who He is and, and what He demands of us. Let's fill our mind with, with the glory of our Lord. And to win the battle there is there is great hope and we win the battle in our minds. Don't let them get carried away with, with fleshly thoughts, right? Don't succumb to that, you know. 
No murderer has very nice thoughts about the person, uh, people that he murders, right? It's always filled with hate. That's where it starts in the mind. And, and you go and, and you fulfill the desires of the flesh. The mind is, is a big battleground. And so Paul has given us two very practical steps. Seek, keep seeking, keep pursuing every day the things that are above. Set your mind on the things that are above, right? He's given us two very practical steps. But he doesn't, just doesn't stop there. And this is, this is the beauty of this passage. He just doesn't stop there by giving us these practical steps, all right? Um, you know, he just doesn't tell us what to do. He tells us why we must do it, all right? He gives us powerful motivations to live purposefully for Christ. Powerful motivations, and this is what we're going to see in verses 3 and 4. He talks about our new reality in Christ. Our new reality in Christ. Point two is your new reality as one who, has, one who was raised with Christ. You know, there's, there, is a, there is a change that has happened that we've already talked about and Paul goes on in detail about here. And because of this change, as a result of this, we are to pursue, we are to seek and set our mind on the things above. First, he talks about our past. And in Christ, your past is over. In Christ, your past is over. You know, Paul has given us, and, and the Lord has given us these commands to seek the things that are above, but this cannot be done in our natural ability. You cannot do this in your natural self, right? In order to pursue the commands of God, the natural man must be put to death, right? Must be put to death, and, and, and Paul reminds us uh, of this in, in, in verse 3. You have died, for you have died. You know, uh, when we come to Christ, our old self is crucified with Christ. That old life, that natural man, man that natural uh, man Aaron who was born in sin, right, could do nothing but sin, delighted in sin, and not God, is dead. He's over, right? And that's the beauty of the gospel in Romans 6 and verse 6. Paul says this, we know, we know that our old self was crucified with Christ in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. What enslaves us to sin is our old nature that is born in sin, that is sinful. And in Christ, when we come to Christ, that old man is dead, he's gone. The powerhouse of sin in our life is broken, right? Sin is no longer our master in Christ. You have died. And this is the reality of every believer. You know, those sins may seem powerful, just like Paul cried out in Romans 7, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? He doesn't end there. He says, praise be to God through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Praise be to God. And this is what Jesus does for us, right? He not only covers us with his righteousness, but he goes in and deals with the problem of our sin, right? He deals with the problem. He's like a good doctor, right? Suppose I have um, a lung cancer, all right? Lung cancer. I'm lying there in the hospital and I'm coughing a lot. And, and the doctor comes in and says, hey, here, take something for your cough, all right? He gives me like a syrup or, or medicine for the cough. And he says, you'll be fine. And he's gone. No, the good doctor is the one who goes deep inside to the root, right? And he yanks that tumor out, right? That is our Lord. You know, when he saved us, he didn't just do it halfway. He covers us with his righteousness. He reaches in and he changes this wicked heart that we are born with. He changes it. That's our Lord. He, he deals with the problem, and that is, that's the reality of the believer. Our old self is, is dead, right? You have died. Not only that, 
He continues. He talks about our present. He talks about our present in the middle of verse 3 there. And your life is hidden with Christ in God. You have died in the sense, but you're still alive. And your new life is hidden with Christ in God. You know, there is a double security for the believer here. He says, our life is hidden with Christ in God, right? In God. We, we, uh, we kind of hide things that are precious to us, right? We hide things that are precious to us. I know in the Indian culture, we have a big thing about gold, right? Very big thing about gold. I know, it's crazy. Um, it, when, when someone gets married, um, there's, you know, we, we, uh, the, the gifts that we exchange are all about gold and jewelry. And, uh, wow, when Indians hide their gold, they really hide it. You, you'll never know, you know. It's, it's, it's stored so well, you can never see it, right? We get bank lockers to store, store those things. We want security for the things that we treasure. Paul is saying, you believer, you are hid with Christ in God. Who is going to take you out from that? No one is greater than God, right? Jesus said, I hold you in my hand and no one can take you out of my hand or the Father's hand. We are that secure in Christ. You may, you may think, well, I don't feel that way, you know. I see my life even as a believer and I'm struggling with these sins. And, you know, there's weakness that I see all over my life. Reality is that you are hid with Christ in God. No one can take that away. Just when we were singing this morning, you give and take away. The Lord gives and takes away. That's true of everything but our relationship with Christ, right? God can never take that, that away from us. Nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Why? Because it's by grace. It's by grace, right? You never earned it. You can't do anything to lose it. This is the grace of God in Christ Jesus. To you, your life is hid, is secure with Christ in God. You are in Christ over and over again. This is Paul's favorite way of describing the believer, right? In Him, in Christ, you have redemption. In Him, you have been adopted, right? Ephesians 1, he keeps saying you are in Christ in Christ, in Christ. When the Father sees us, He no longer sees us in our imperfections. He sees us covered in the perfections of Christ. We are in Him. And all the blessings that belong to Christ are ours in Him, right? Amen? They are ours by grace. No one can take that away from us. We can't lose it ourselves. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. You are precious to God. <clears throat> No, and, and this tells us that we have the privilege of being intimate with God, right? We have the privilege through Christ of enjoying this intimacy. We, can, we can't lose it. We're never too far gone to come back to our Lord and delight in Him and our God. We can never, never be cast out. We are in Christ, uh, in God. Um, and, and, and that is the new reality. You know, uh, you may have had great dreams of service for the glory of God as a believer when you were saved. You feel like giving up, maybe, because you can't see anything but failure in your life. You can't see anything but weakness. Don't give up pursuing Christ. Don't give up serving Christ. Because you don't hold yourself. God holds you in Christ. That is the mind-blowing reality that I, a sinner, can be so loved, can be so desired by God. Right? That is our reality. He sees us as His children he enjoys us as his children. He sees the little steps of obedience that we take in dependence on his spirit. He is working in us what is pleasing in his sight, right? You will not lose your salvation because God holds it for you. God holds you and he will never, never leave you. You are secure in Christ in God and that's your reality. 
And that should motivate us to keep pursuing the things that are above. You know, God is not going to give up on you. You don't give up pursuing Christ. Right? Keep seeking the things that are above. And again, uh, there's this amazing truth that we see here. Right? You have died, verse, uh, verse 3, the first part. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. You are in Christ in God. Not only that, verse 4, when Christ, who is your life, your life now is Christ. Huh. There's a new life in you, and that comes from Christ. Christ himself is in you. He is your life. Not only are you in Christ, but Christ is in you, believer. Christ is in you right now. You know, the power to overcome sin, the power to pursue the things that are above, doesn't come from ourselves. It comes from he who is in us. He who is in us, right? Christ was the one who, who pleased the Father completely. Christ was the one who sought the Father's will. Christ was the one who obeyed the Father, right? And he is in us, right? He is in us. Um, Paul told the, uh, the believers in Colossae in chapter 1, verse 27, Christ in you, the hope of glory. The reason why you and I will make it to the end, the reason why you and I will find ourselves believers in heaven is because Christ is in us, the hope of glory. Christ is the one who is our life now. Not only this, in Galatians 2.20, you remember what Paul says, right? He says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but who? Christ who lives in me. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You are not alone. You are not alone in your Christian life. The only one who ever lived righteously and fully pleased God is in you. Your Savior is not just for you. He is in you. That's the intimacy that you enjoy with Christ. He's in you. And what, that, what does that mean? That means don't try to live the Christian life on your own for your glory. Right? Don't try to do that. Acknowledge your helplessness and depend on your Savior who's in you. Acknowledge today, I mess up, Lord. I, I cannot fulfill my calling as your child, as a husband, as a pastor, as anyone, unless you help me today. You help me. That's the Christian life. We don't just meet Christ at one point and then walk away from him and do our own thing. We live with Christ. For you to live is Christ. He is the source of strength in your life. The source of power comes from Christ, as we learn from the Apostle Paul. You know what? The one who gave his life for you is now in you. He's in you, right? Christ has given to himself to us so completely. Yeah, the cross is, is the amazing expression of the grace of Christ and his love for us. But he doesn't just stop there. He says, I'm in you. I'm with you. I, I am yours forever. Christ has served us, right? Christ has served us so we can no longer live for ourselves but for him, right? And pursue his glory and show forth his greatness through our lives. You know, you may be weak right now. You may see yourself as weak and struggling, but Christ is in you. That is the ultimate reality of your life. If you're a believer, Christ is in you, the hope of glory, right? So we've seen our past. You are dead. We've seen our present. We are in Christ in God and Christ is in us. He's our life. And one more thing, one more thing, verse 4. 
when Christ who is your life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. You know, Christ our Lord is coming back in glory. He will come and, and we will appear with him. We will have resurrected bodies to appear with him. And, and, and our state then, we will be like him, right? We will be like him. Not in terms of his deity, but in terms of his perfection. We will be like him, right? We'll have bodies, right, that are new, that know no sin, that are free from the corruption of sin right now. You will not be able to sin then, amen? And Christ is coming and we will appear with him in glory. That is our future. That is our final, that is our final goal. That when Christ comes, we will be with him by grace. You will but be with him. There will be no struggle with sin. There will be no weakness as a result of sin. We will be with Christ and we will be able to enjoy him forever. There will be no barrier between us and Christ right now. We will be with him. Remember that illustration about um, being in the middle of the ocean on a plank of wood? Think about that again. You're on the plank of wood. It's been a couple of days, right? No food, no water. You've been trying to swim or, or trying to get yourself somewhere, and, and you don't see land at all. You've given up all hope. You're lying there, um, and, and it's hard even to breathe, and the sun is beating down on you. No life around, but all of a sudden, you see land. You can't believe it. You see land. And what do you do then? I'm just going to chill out here until I get to land. No. You, 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 you muster up every ounce of strength that you have. Right? And you make it to that piece of land. You make it. Right? You jump into that water and you begin to swim and you make it to the end. Think of Christ that way. Christ will come. Look and see what, what lies for you ahead. Christ is coming in glory and he will make your weak and, and feeble bodies to be like his glorious body, right? Able to enjoy God forever. Think of that and let that motivate you to, to, to move towards him. Let that motivate you to leave the things of the earth and pursue Christ every day. Seek the things that are above and set your mind on pleasing Christ question is, what, what are our minds filled with? What occupies our minds? Is it bitterness? That doesn't belong above. That's not part of the things above. You know, is it thoughts of the flesh, fleshly lusts? That doesn't belong with the, with the character of Christ, right? What, what, what controls our minds? Is it the things of the earth or things of heaven? Things where Christ is. Set your minds on things that are above. What do we seek? What do we seek? Success in this earth alone? Are, are, is our gaze so, so obstructed by this world and the glamour in this world? What do we seek every day? What do we make? What are the aims of our lives even as we wake? Do we seek our Savior daily? Do we seek Him daily? I'm not just talking about, you know, how, my, how many chapters you read every day. Is Christ the delight of your heart? Is Christ the longing of your heart? Do you seek him every day? Do you make it your aim to battle against anything that will keep you from Christ? Brothers and sisters, that is our calling. That is our new aim in this life. Seek the things that are above. Seek the things that are in line with the glory of Christ. Right? So finally, finally, brothers, what are we to do? What are we to do? Here's, here's what we should do. 
Know that you have been resurrected with Christ. You have a new life now. The old is gone and the new has come. Has come already. Right? Know that you are resurrected with Christ. Also, be violent with your sin. Be violent. Not with others. With your sin. All right? <laughs> Look at verse 5. Right? Look at verse 5. Colossians 3, 5. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Doesn't say control your sin. Doesn't say, um, you know, um, just, just try to manage your sin. No, it says, put to death what is earthly in you. This doesn't belong to me because of the reality of who I am in Christ. Any known sin, put it to death. Also, not just that. Don't stop there. Put on Christ-like virtues. Verse 12, notice that. Put on then Christ-like virtues that we've seen. Seek to put on meekness. Seek to put on humility. Right? When you're convicted that you need to grow in these things, seek to put them on. Love, right? Seek what is in line with the character of Christ. Let's pray. God, um, we thank you for this new life that's been given to us, unworthy as we are. We remember those days when we lived in sin. We remember our deadness. We remember the pursuits that marked our life then. And we remember the change that you brought about. And we know that your word says that we've been raised to new life. We want to live in the reality of that. We want to put sin to death and pursue you, Lord, and your glory. Pray that you would help us do that now. Amen.